two years, still dealing with the impact of COVID-19. I recently read an article that really troubled me, and you might have seen it in this, uh, was an article in CNN on Saturday, and I'd seen something like it before, and the Bonner Ministries uh, did a survey following uh, 18 months of COVID among preachers, pastors. And of the pastors that responded, over 38% of those pastors said that they were contemplating quitting the pastorate, quitting the ministry. 42% of that group were under the age of 45 they were thinking about calling it quits. Now, that doesn't even include all the churches that have shut down. And I remind you, if it were not for our live stream for the past two years, we would not have had a voice from this building or wherever the word was coming forth to you for you to come back. Some have not come back. I'm believing that the Lord is going to bring whoever he intends to be a part of what we're doing. They will come back. And God is adding more. But I'm also thanking the Lord for those who are immune compromised and for those who are distant and are in a place where there's a famine of the word of God that they know that they can come to this place and receive a proceeding word from scriptures. Now, of the ministers who said that they were considering resigning from their role as pastors, most of them acknowledged that they were unhealthy financially, emotionally, physically, relational, and also spiritually. And so while they were pouring out and still giving the word and still serving, they were operating on an empty spiritual tank. We talked about being filled up. Uh, the gift is without repentance. You can use your gift. And the gift will operate because it's a gift from the Lord. And if you use the word, the word, so shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void. Even if a serpent uses the word, the word is going to work. And so if a person who's not filled with the spirit of God but gifted, and they use the word, they can still function while God is working through them. He is not working in them. And so as I thought about that survey that I read, I reflected on my last week. I felt a spirit of isolation, going through something really, really heavy as a father, 
pastor part, husband part. No, this was as a, as a father, and it's still not fully over. And I realize that as a pastor, there's some things that I'm not comfortable sharing. And then as I unpacked some of the things that I was hesitant to share, I wondered, who could I really talk to if I, if I got real transparent? If I said the things that were on my heart to say, and I didn't sound so much like a pastor, could I really be transparent? And I reflected and I realized that I don't know very few people in my world that I can talk to. I've been praying about that. My spiritual father passed away 10 years ago. But what made that significant, and I'm going to be all right, and I can tell a little bit to you, I can tell a little bit to her, and I can kind of end up getting what I need. But the, the greatest thing that's happening is our prayer ministry. Folk praying for me every single day. And I'm convinced that that is what has helped me to know how to make some very tough decisions. But the Bible says that the word became flesh and it dwelled among us and we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father. We touched, we saw, he interacted. We have not a high priest who cannot understand. And that's the kind of relationship that the Lord wants us to have with each other, that we can honestly confess our faults one to another. So I said to myself, if I don't have anybody that I feel comfortable to talk with, and my phone usually isn't ringing because somebody just wants to know how I'm doing and how can we encourage you. I wondered how many people in the church might be experiencing that very same thing. Is, there, is your phone ringing? Is, is anybody texting you? We don't phone anymore. Is anybody texting you or messaging you and saying, we're just thinking about you, praying for you? Sister T does it a lot. Brother Brian almost saved now. He, 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 he checks on me. Amen. But, and I'm not, I'm good. I'm just, as a pastor, saying I'm concerned about the flock because the need, the need. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand that God created us for connection. But we naturally move towards isolation. We naturally move away from each other rather than closer to each other. Tell somebody, fight the drift. Fight the drift. And when I'm talking about when I mean fight the drift, we're going to see that this group of Christians in the book of Hebrews they were forced to scatter. They could not gather and celebrate comfortably their expression of faith in Christ without coming under attack. And so they found themselves scattered and isolated. And the devil was wreaking havoc. 
When we talk about fighting isolation, I'm talking about avoiding becoming emotionally numb or detached from meaningful interactions with people that lead to loneliness, depression, and feelings of rejection. You can be married to somebody and a very lonely person. You're numb. You're indifferent because there is no meaningful interaction. You have a trend. You have, you have, you have an arrangement, but what you don't have is active communication that goes beyond the surface. And so we want to fight the drift. The Bible actually says this in the book of Hebrews, be aware lest you drift. And I believe that what has happened as a result of the pandemic, people have been away from the church for two years. And in their absence, they have not only drifted away from gathering, from connection, the result has been they are experiencing a spirit of isolation, and that is not the Lord's desire. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling, the gathering, the congregating of yourselves, as some count, as some do. So we need to fight against this tendency, I worked all week, I'm going to stick around and be home, I'm chilling. Fight the drift. Now let me share with you, uh, as we look at this, just two things I'm going to share. I want to share why we drift, and there's nothing sadder than somebody who has served the Lord for years, and they leave a church. And they displace, and they get sick, and they die. And, and all of the efforts, because we don't think kingdom, we think this is my church. If you're not a part of my church, then you're not a part. No, no, no. The body of Christ is the church. And so you can leave here, but you're still my sister. You're still my brother in Christ if you say. Now I want to share some reasons why, why, why we isolate why we withdraw, why we avoid allowing people to get too close to us, why people only get to see a representation of who we want them to see us as being. They see the performance part of us. They don't see the person we are when the makeup and the lights are off. The first reason I want to consider is that we we isolate, we drift because of persecution, being persecuted because of our faith. Say persecution because of our faith. Now, I want to read a portion of Scripture from Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. I want you to write this down. It said, on that day, great, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And then in verse 3, it says, But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And so we see the first persecution that occurs in the church really was God's idea. I believe that the pandemic is not the result of whatever happened in Wuhan, China. 
This is called whip your butt by God. This is chastening those who he loves. This is God shaking up the foundation to things that we've been comfortable. We've been uncomfortable because of what God has done. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus speaking before he ascends into heaven, he said, but you shall receive power after which the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall what? Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. They heard the first part of that, be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And they got real comfortable. They had a mega church in Jerusalem. They had the Christians in the evil singing, blessing the church. They had exhortation, ignite ministry. They had it all going on. And yet they were being disobedient. The Lord said, Starting in Jerusalem, moving to Judea, and so as a consequence of their disobedience and getting comfortable, and I believe the Lord has made us uncomfortable, that's why we have had to go outside of these four walls and reach the world. And I don't want to go back and have the Lord discipline us more because we're trying to shrink this thing. But watch this. The persecution came, and they scattered, and guess where they went? Judea, Samaria, and unto the most parts of the earth. And so persecution can cause you to isolate from other Christians and even from the Lord. Ask this question of yourself. Who do I know at my job that's a Christian? How many Christians are there at your job? How many people at your job know that you are a Christian? Got a couple other questions up here. I want you to understand, let's just stop with those two. Who knows that you're a Christian? How many Christians you're job? One of the reasons people don't know we're saved is because we're afraid we ain't getting invited to lunch. <laughs> We're afraid that people may categorize us as those who were down in Washington on January the 6th. Evangelicals, oh, get them all, get them all. We are afraid that we will not be accepted and included. Maybe we won't get that job promotion. We don't ask the question about who among our coworkers are saved. But one of the things that the Lord revealed to me as I was looking at this, I'd never thought of it in this way. One of the clearest evidences of our connection to Jesus is that what Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he says, follow me, get connected with me. And when that connection occurs, guess what's going to happen? You will make, you will be fishers of men. You'll be soul winners. So if I'm not following Jesus, that means I'm not soul winning. Well, all of us say, I'm following Jesus. I pray every morning. But let's look at the converse of that. If you're not being actively involved in winning souls, you're not following Jesus. Because Jesus says, follow me. And guess what's going to happen when you follow me? I will make you soul winners. 
we learned on last Sunday, 95% of Christians will never lead another person to Jesus. We were told that the greatest sin in the church is silence. And so when we are fearful of persecution, we don't want people to label us. We don't want to close doors of opportunity to ourselves. Uh, we, we, we don't want to be uh, uh, considered holy rollers, you know, uh, better than thou kinds of folks. What we at the same time are doing, we are allowing that fear to break our connection with the Lord. Because when I'm connected to Jesus, people will see my good works. And they will, go, they will give glory to the Lord. And the Bible says, and not only will they give glory to the Lord, the way they will find out about Christ is that we will give a reason. I quote this all the time. A reason of the hope that's within us. And so persecution will keep us from sharing. But when we don't share, the connection between you and the Lord is broken. And when the connection between you and the Lord is broken, you will not be connected to the body of Christ. Well, I come to church every Sunday. I'm room in the ministry. The Lord said, but if you walk in the light as I am the light, the blood of Jesus he says, walk in light, I'm in light. He says, and you will have fellowship one with another because the blood of Jesus will keep on cleansing from sin. So when I'm, walk, when I'm walking in obedience, the light is obedience. When I'm being like God, when I'm following Jesus, the, 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 the evidence of that vertical connection will be horizontal connection. So if I'm not allowing Jesus to be seen in me in a way that I'm not ashamed to tell people I'm saved, it's no wonder we don't see the urgency to come to church. It's no wonder we don't see the urgency of getting closer to one another. It's no wonder that we're drifting. Because when you serve in the Lord as a witness, it will cause you to need to come to the filling station. Let me give you a second reason. So persecution. But there's a second reason and preoccupation with, with the affairs of the world. Say preoccupation. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, the apostle Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, he says, do your best to come quickly. Paul's in prison. This is 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is about to die. The execution date has been set. Time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I run the race, kept my faith. He says, now, now here's what I need you to come quickly, Timothy. For Demas, because he loved this world, he deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And then he says in verse, uh, the end of verse 9, he says, do your best to come to me quickly. And actually, that's a repeat. Uh, do your best to come to me quickly. Notice what Paul says of this man named Demas. He says, he, he didn't say he was unsaved. He says, he has deserted me because he loved the world more than he loved Christ. So there are Christians who are genuinely saved who love sin more than they love him. Now, 
we can't get comfortable with that because Peter says, make sure of your salvation because judgment starts at the household of God. So don't be saying, God understands and, and everybody's human. I'm just struggling. No, 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 no. He says that demons love this present world. He's still professing to be saved, but he has deserted me to return. He's doing, de- he's doing demons and he's not doing the Lord. There are Christians in the church that are doing them and not him. And one of the things that happens is that today we don't want anybody challenging us. So we find churches where there's no accountability. Just give your tithes and offerings. Because the only time you're going to hear from the church is when you ain't giving. But when you're slipping and sliding and dodging, the Bible says that we, must, we, we are our brother's keeper and that we must restore those who have fallen and, and we have a responsibility. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But when you're being like Demas and you love the world, you're going to leave. You're going to isolate yourself from spiritual people. You're going to disconnect because you don't want that accountability. One of the, one of the things that I've always committed myself to, I don't care what I did Saturday night, I'm coming to church. Well, what do you mean you don't care what you Because the church is a hospital. <laughs> If I'm sick, I'm not going to stay home and I don't got the medicine I need because the very Sunday you decided not to come, God had a word and season for you. That message was intended for you. And the devil told you, stay away because you did a demon's thing. And so some of us are preoccupied with our bucket list. One of the greatest threats to Christians in our time, I preach this, convenience can kill you. We, and here's what God is showing me. When I look at the church now, who, I'm, who am I going to roll with? I want to see some people make some sweat equity. Who's making sacrifices to build the kingdom of God? Because the Lord doesn't cut corners when he, when he blesses us. So, so if, you, if you're trying to build a church with demons... Demas is subject to go to Thessalonica. He may be down in Vegas when you, he's supposed to be saving. <laughs> so we got out of Vegas. We were there. That's our best vacation. We got out of there on the seventh day. The Lord rested. <laughs> if we hadn't left on that seventh day, we would have been gambling because that would be the only way we got back home. Here's another reason why we isolate rather than connect. Why we drift, why we got to fight the drift, fight isolation. God never called you to be the Lone Ranger. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Here's why we here, here's why we isolate past hurts that are experienced in the church. When you get a chance in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, Paul is writing back to the Corinthian leadership. In chapter 5, Paul learns that there's a man who's involved in an incestuous relationship with his mother, with his, father, with his father's wife, his, step, his stepmother. They're having sexual relations. And the leadership is aware. And they're cool with it. But the man is a professing Christian. And so Paul says, here's what you do. And so he gives them specific instructions about what to do if the person doesn't repent. The man doesn't repent. They put him out of the church. 
And Paul says, turn that one over to Satan for the destruction of the body. That's in the scriptures, right? So by the time we come to chapter 2 in 2 Corinthians, this brother has repented. He has done 50 Hail Marys. He's done everything that the church asked him to do. He didn't go into the counseling. He didn't go. And so Paul says, in, 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 the, in these verses, he says, now it's time to forgive him and comfort him. Otherwise, he may become a b- bitter and discouraged that he won't be able to recover. And so now in the church, what we do, we, we don't know how to restore people. We kill our wounded. And we pound our children. We, we, we got the, we've got, we, we have the elder brother syn- uh, syndrome. I've been at church. Why are they coming back? How can they serve? And, and, and they fail. And we don't let them forget what they did. But, but for the grace of God. Some of us have been so wounded by things that people have done and they never apologize in the church. Ain't no hurt like church hurt. I don't know how many people that are on their dying bed, and I'm praying for them, I'm talking with them as a, as a pastor going to their home or in their dying bed at the hospital. I said, what church are you going to? Well, I used to go to church, and the pastor said, some of the sisters said, some of the brothers said, and they can still, and you can see the tears streaming down their eyes, and many of them have served faithfully in the church, but they never got over that nobody called them when they fell. Nobody called them to say, how can we support you? Nobody called them to say, I was wrong when I called you out like that. And so sometimes the pain that is inflicted by Christians, we call it friendly fire. Ain't nothing friendly about it. It's only what makes it friendly is you in the foxhole with that person. Instead of you being able to concentrate on the enemy that's in front of you, you got to be looking behind you because somebody got a gun to your back in the name of Jesus. And so painful experiences at the hands of other Christians will make you isolate. You can be in church every Sunday and, and, and not in connection. You just slip right out. Nobody know. He didn't speak. They didn't speak. And you cool. Matthew 18 says, if a brother offends you, you do what? If a sister offends you, you go to them, you make it right. And if they don't respond the way they should, God bless them. Uh, you go get another person, you go back the whole nine yards. But the whole, the, the goal is that you do what God said for you to do. Don't you miss out on your blessing because of what somebody did to you. Because now you're giving them permission to continue to wound you. Until you get over what they did to you, they still are afflicting you. So forgiveness is really, it's not about you. It's not about them, really. It's about you. It's like taking poison and then waiting for the other person to die. They're going to die soon. <laughs> and next thing you know, you done killed over. They still living. Here's another cause, procrastination. Procrastination in, in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 through 20. I'm write that down. This is procrastination. You're going to get to it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to join a life group. I, I, I'm going to be more friendly. I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, extend myself. I, I, I'm going to uh, 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 not be uh, uh, an island unto myself. It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Now, it's talking about money, but the idea, the principle is this. When God puts somebody on your heart, move. When the opportunity to bless presents itself, bless. 
Because by the time the flesh catches up with what you're about to do in the spirit, the flesh is going to convince you, why should you do that? They didn't do it for you. The flesh is going to say, let, do, let them do unto you as you want them to do to you. So the flesh reverses this thing. Don't procrastinate. If somebody, God put somebody on your heart, you need to respond in obedience. Here's another reason why we isolate pride. Pride. The Bible says pride comes before the fall. I don't need no help. I'm not letting nobody know when I'm struggling. Now I'm going to fake it until I make it. Strength is not seen in humility. Strength is seen in people don't see that you have feet of clay. And sometimes the people that we look up to the most are the most arrogant, the most conceited. Uh, Brother Larry used the word vain. And we admire that as strength. That's not, God doesn't call that strength, especially if the confidence and vanity is based on self-promotion. My children would never do that. By the grace of God, you live long enough, you'll see. I told you about my son. I heard this joker cussing in the hall. I said, I wish that was my son. Guess who come running around the corner? That was my son. I was like, I was, I was speechless. I didn't know he ever learned those words. He didn't learn them from us. But for the grace of God, pride will keep you from sharing when you're hurting, when you need. You hungry, you can't pay this, can't pay that, but you won't let somebody know. Ah, they'll be telling me, talking about me in church. And here's the deep thing. Pride is very deceptive. Sometimes we think humility, we, we have a false humility where we, we, we have, instead of having, uh, where we have an overestimation of ourselves, we have, a, we have a lower estimation where we step on me, walk on me. Uh, I'll give you, but I can't receive. You can, pride sometimes manifests itself. When somebody's trying to bless you, you can't even receive it. Somebody says, you look nice today. Oh, it's, it's not me. I got that dress 10 years ago. It was on the confinement land. land. And it's like, I mean, if you look real close, you'll see threads that are hanging. And, 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 and man, it was smelling when I first. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's kind of like the, uh, the woman who was singing in church. And, and after she, the people crying, raising their hands. And after church, one of the men walked up and said, did you bless us? Your voice was just awesome and amazing. She said, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And he said, I could have sworn I saw your lips moving. And so we can be guilty of having a false humility, a superior, uh, uh, where we have an inferiority complex where we don't think right about ourselves or superiority context where we're better than others. When you think you're better than others, you have like a porcupine spirit. You know what a porcupine is? When you get close to people that are prideful, they will never let you see their flaws. And so what the, the porcupine does, when you get ready to embrace the porcupine, you're getting ready to get in trouble because all of those pines 
And some Christians are like that. We've been hurt so bad that every time somebody really tries to love up on us, we think they got an ulterior. What they up to? I know they want something. And as soon as I share, it's going to be all over the church. And so you go up your porcupine spirit. <laughs> and you wonder, why nobody want to work with you? Why nobody talk to you? Because every time they try to get to you, you are in the spirit of drifting, drifting. Who are you close to? Who really knows you? Who have you allowed yourself to be vulnerable to? Who, who can you cry in front of and know they're not going to? It's a no judgment zone. I'm sick of churches that are just religious. It doesn't help anybody for us to come in here and pretend that we got it all together. I used to go to church as a new convert, and everybody, the Lord just blessed me with a new car. And boy, we got a perfect marriage. And my kids, they, they float when they go to school, and, 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 they, and, they, and they just say and do everything that we ever do. And I'm like, man, I cuss, I lust, and I'm all, I'm from, I want to fight most of the time. And I just got to say, I must not be saved. Because everybody else had it together. So I told you my experience. I got greased down. I've been slain and slapped in the spirit. I don't know what that. The dude just knocked me out. I wasn't paying attention. And it bam! And when I woke up, <laughs> I was stressed out. Of, I, but I've also been stressed out, prostrate before the Lord, crying out to him, Lord, cleanse me. Make me perfect. Take this stuff away because I don't want to be I want to be doing this anymore. And then I realized the problem was not perfection. The problem was I wasn't obedient. But the flesh thinks you can't. You've got to pretend that you, you're the super saint. But every every Christian in the Bible had a flaw. The only one who didn't was Jesus, and the sinners killed Jesus. Somebody say amen. Pride, pride will isolate you. Why are you suffering like that when there are other Christians who've gone through the same thing that you've gone through? Here's another problem. So it's pride. It's, it, it's, it's, it's uh, procrastination. It's um, past painful experiences, persecution, but then there's principalities and powers. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Powers and spiritual wickedness in high place. Principalities, high and hierarchy of demonic powers that have authority that come against us to try to prevent us from becoming that full measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. That's what the devil does. The Bible says that he sows seeds of discord among the brethren. He doesn't want us to be close. And so the devil will cause you to see when that person, they were just cleaning their eye, but you said they rolled their eyes at me. You caught that because that's what you would have done. That's not what they were doing. They were just cleaning their eye. That's where you came from, but that's not what you, you want to overcome that in the church. And so we, you need to understand the devil works through disunity. The devil works. He's, the Bible says we don't wrestle against what we can see. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. It's the enemy working through them because the devil knows if the church ever got on one accord, if we ever made up our mind to be unified, if we ever made up our mind to speak the same thing, if we ever made up our mind to let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be our mind, the devil couldn't stop us. Now, let's talk quickly about how, how. So we looked at six reasons why not, why we aren't connected. And by the way, the devil's looking for stragglers. 
the new Christians that come to church, these, these young families that I see, and they have little kids with them, and, 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 and they come, and they, they're hungry, they're hurting. They, they, they heard about the word, and so they get here, but then they got these little babies, and then before long, you don't see them anymore, and I thank God for Sister Lucinda. I don't want to wear her out. I'm trying to protect, oh, she, we want to look out for her, but we need some folk to see these little babies, and I know the, 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 our, our, our greeters do it. Thank you, Jesus, for the greeters. I don't want to offend anybody, but they ain't the only ones who can help out. The devil's looking for stragglers. Says, be alert, be on guard, be vigilant, because the devil, who is our adversary, is roaming like a roaring lion, prowling throughout the church, looking for those young families, looking for those new Christians, so that he might devour them. And so we want to do everything we can. We don't, well, the brothers, again, we get ready to break out in September. Christ strong, men. You guys are going to see something with them. Brothers, when you guys get out of your car and stuff, watch out. Watch out. We want to make church a great experience. Somebody say amen. amen. We want you to enjoy being here so much with your sisters and brothers that you literally don't want to leave. We'd be asking you to go. But that's the way God's spirit works when we understand that we're coming up against principalities. The devil attacks stragglers. Let me give you four reads, four things that we can do to fight drifting, fight isolation. This not only works in the church relationships, but it will work in your marriage. This will work with your family. And thank God that he doesn't give up on us the way we give up on one another. Listen to what the scriptures say again, going back to Hebrews chapter 10. Are you with me? It says, let, let us hold fast to the profession or the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up the love and good works, not forsaking, the, not forsaking the gathering or the assembling of ourselves. The first thing that we need to do so that you're not just the face in the place, that you don't leave this planet never really being known other than for what you did. What you do is not who you are. Because there's going to come a time when you can't do what you're doing. But that doesn't mean you stop being who you are. God doesn't want us to do. He wants us to be. And I want to say this specifically to men. We need to be known. Not just for our strength. We need to be known for our vulnerabilities, for our doubts, for our hesitations. We need to be known. Who knows you? Here's the first thing. Remain committed. Remain committed to your public profession and private or personal conviction of who Christ is and what Christ has done. He says, he says, hold fast. Hold fast to your profession. Hold fast to your profession. And so we say, remain committed. In the midst of all that is going on, it is so easy to be distracted and, and caught up in the tidal wave of just busyness. When we're scattered and when we can't get together for one reason or another. And what Paul's, what the, what the, what the author says, instead of being scattered, he says, hold fast, cling to, don't let go your, your convictions about who Jesus is and what he promised. Get stronger in your convictions about who Jesus, don't lose sight. Paul, Paul the writer says in Hebrews, he says, looking unto Jesus the author in the finish of our faith. And so at committing ourselves in public and private that I'm going to return 
to a, a, a profession of faith to whoever I get an opportunity to tell about Jesus. And in my private life, I'm going to live by making Christ my priority. The, the, uh, Matthew 6, still holds true. But seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God. And what's the rest of it? And all these things shall be added unto you. So he says, hold fast. Hold fast. We should never let go of what we know about who Jesus is. He says, without wavering, be unmovable, be, un be steadfast. Don't bow, don't bend. How many of us have compromised? How many of us just go along to get along? How many of us actually practice what Romans chapter 12, presenting your body, a living sacrifice, holding acceptable? Are you, are you making that conscious decision and not being conformed? Are you going along with the world? I have no problem with people getting whatever kind of design they want on their bodies. I just saw a guy who had his whole scalp tattooed and his neck tattooed, and it was all uniform. And in that community, that's a cool, that's a cool thing. Do what you want to do, but the Bible says whatever you do, as a Christian, as unto the Lord. So if the Lord say yes, you, you can do what you want to do. That's a Christian liberty. There's nothing the Bible says you can't do that. But don't do it to be conformed to fit into the world. That's the problem. The world don't see Jesus. We're trying to be like them rather than showing them Christ so that they will desire to be like Christ. So the first thing, remain, remain committed to your public profession be intentional about sharing your faith. Be intentional. The gospel still works. Here's another thing. Why should we do it? Why should we, why should we remain committed? He said, because he who promised is faithful to keep the promise. God's word still works. In the midst of all the lies, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of the turmoil and the tumultuous time we live in, he who made the promise is faithful. The Bible still works. The word works. Somebody say amen. The word works so I can be committed to the promise of who Jesus is and tell others about what he promises. He's coming back. Why can I say he's coming back? Because he promised it and he's faithful to his word. Let me run on. Here's the second thing. Not only do we want to be committed, remain committed, we want to do a second thing. We want to rely on God's people to help us reach our full potential. He says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. It's interesting. He says, he didn't say, don't come to church for what you can get. He says, the first priority is as we allow, rely on the body of Christ to help us reach our full potential. He said, consider other people first. And when, here's how it works. When I pour my life out into others, the lives of others, what God does is through me using my gift to bless them to be the best that they can be, I become the best I can be. I will never be all that I can be without relying on the body of Christ to help me. And so he's saying, make every effort to outdo one another in acts of kindness and love. Is that your commitment? I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to do more. I'm going to love you more than you love me. I'm going to work harder to do good things and kind things for you. Anybody fighting that battle? I want to be more kind to my husband than he's to me. I want to be more loving to my husband than he's to me. I want to be more loving to the other brothers and sisters in Christ than they are to me. No, we want to feel that they're loving us. They're being kind to us. And then we might think about returning it. But he said, no, stir up 
kindness and love with others. Look for opportunities to bless somebody. Make somebody's day. That's how we get out of the mold of isolation into connection. Who are you trying to bless? Who are you helping reach your full potential in Jesus? Relying on God to help you to become all you can be. Reach your full potential in Christ through others. Refuse to accept substitutes. He said, do not forsake. Say, refuse to accept substitutes. I'm all, I'm grateful for live streaming. I'm grateful for all the multimedia platforms. But he said, do not forsake the assembling, the gathering, the in-person worship and fellowship as some do. And so what he's saying is, don't allow anything else to become a substitute for being in the house when possible, when possible. Don't allow don't allow. Now, what has happened? Cell phones and social media has forever changed our world. Some of us can't even get through church without checking our emails. Now, I had to do a couple things, but we take this everywhere we go. And probably the dirtiest thing that, we ever, that any of us have, talking about COVID, we need to be wearing face masks as we share our cell phones with each other. And so... You can go to a doctor's office filled with people and not hear a pin drop because nobody's talking. Everybody's on their cell phone. You can go to a family gathering on tomorrow. We're going to 4th of July. And most of the folks, if they're not dancing, they're on their cell phone. Nobody's talking. Husbands and wives in the same house for hours and days and never be, get beyond high. Is it, is it cold? Is it cleaning? And then they're back searching TikTok. This has forever changed. This has become a substitute for the assembling together, for really having genuine, intimate, meaningful conversation. We need to get discipline. This is the Bible. Paul says, and I, that, don't, I will not, this, all things are expedient. All things are, that, that God doesn't absolutely say no to. It, it, it's, it's optional. But I will not come under the subjection, the control. But what we've allowed is social media to take, take the place of this. One of the things I miss about this, we don't get to hug anymore. We don't get to walk around and talk and that kind of thing. I'm looking for the day when we can, we can return to that. But re, don't refuse to allow anything to become a substitute. I was talking uh, for, for, for personal uh, fellowship, for, for connection. Talking to a person the other day, and they said, yeah, I got, I got 5,000 friends on, on, on Facebook. No, you don't. You just lied to yourself because, first of all, they don't know you. They know that fake profile that you, that you presented of yourself so that people can see you in the most favorable light. Well, I had 600 likes today. By who? These people don't, they aren't, they're not praying with you when you're crying. They don't understand how you get jealous when you only got five likes and your friend got 50 likes. They don't understand what's really in your heart. If they did, they might unfriend you. 
But we, are, uh, we, we, we actually have convinced ourselves that if we have the, lar- the larger the following we have, the more friends, the more relate. No, you don't. There is no substitute for human interaction. And what we have today, people strung out on drugs, people committing suicide, people gunning people down as if they're inhuman because we don't see each other as human. We see each other as profiles on, on electronic devices. And so you can kill an object. This has changed us. This has changed us. Don't ever get so comfortable that you allow interacting with people to be substituted by anything else than that personal interaction. Let me finish with this. Release the power of your story. He says, encouraging one another, strengthening one another, lifting. How do you encourage one another? By sharing your personal story. That's how, when, when you're going through and, and you don't think you're going to make it, and you hear another Christian with the doctor, God is the God of all comfort who comforts us that we may comfort one another. Well, he comforts us, and I've said this before, so that you can comfort people to, to know that God took you through what they went through. A young man, he and his wife were celebrating the birth of their, their first child, nine months pregnant, Finally ends up getting the call. Wife is in delivery. He rushes down to the hospital. She's, she's about to deliver. The baby's delivered, and there's no crying. The, the baby doesn't cry. The doctor checks the doc, the baby. The baby's still born. The baby's born dead. And so laughter and excitement is replaced with devastation. He and his wife didn't talk to each other for weeks. They were just that stunned. And then as the weeks went beyond, got, went, went, went into months, they became angry with each other. They were blaming, who, how, this is not my family, it must be on your side of the family. And then they got to a point where he had decided that the marriage couldn't work, he was going to divorce her. And then he turned on a Christian program, turned on, uh, just went on YouTube one day, he just randomly surfing, and he came across... A mess. He didn't even know what the message was, but he saw at the bottom of the of, 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 of the of the of the of the screen, if you need prayer, call this number. And while the preacher was still preaching, he dialed that number and he told the woman, he said, I'm about to divorce my wife. I'm so angry. I'm so hurt. I, I don't think I can ever go on. My baby died at birth. And she said, So did mine. She said, God made you call me so that you could hear that, hear my story. And because my husband and I made it, so can you. If he hadn't shared his story, he wouldn't have gotten the help that he needed. And then that, he actually ends up joining that church. He's a pastor, one of the pastors at that church. But it came through sharing your story. When's the last time you shared your story? I'm not talking about how you got that nice house and, and how everything's doing just fine. No, no, no. When you were going through that divorce, when you were thinking about divorce, when you swung but you missed, when you, when you, when you swung and it didn't miss, I, I'm talking about those kind of experiences. That's the real deal. Sharing those kind of stories, whatever they are, 
to people who don't know Christ or young people that are going through to let them know that marriage has problems, but we worked it out. And if we did, so can you. That's what life groups are all about. That's why you want to join a life group, so you can be transparent. That's why you don't want to be sitting in the church on your hands. You need to serve in a ministry. And as you're serving in the ministry, you're going to hear stories from people, and God is going to release in you things that you thought you could never do. Because of your past, you're going to see that if God did it for them, God can do it for you. Stop the drift. Stand with me. Stop the drift. Let's not isolate. The only thing that is going to last, there are two things that are eternal. The Bible, the word of God, earth and heaven will pass away, but not one jot or tittle of The other thing that's going to last throughout eternity is the family of God. When we die, our souls continue to live. And guess, who's going, guess who you're going to be in heaven with? Your family, the family of God. The folk that we don't get along with, we're going to be with throughout eternity. One of the things that was required of a leper in the Old Testament, that was an incurable disease. The leper had to cover his face. And he had to stand at least 50 feet away from the nearest person. And he had to say, when someone came in his area, he would have to say, unclean, unclean, because leprosy was contagious. Now, as horrible as that incurable disease of leprosy was, the worst part of leprosy was isolation. You had to stay alone. You couldn't spend time with your family. You couldn't go to church. You, you were isolated. Now, the good news about that bad thing called leprosy is that disease was visible. You could see a person was deformed and disfigured by leprosy. You can't see our leprosy. Our leprosy is internal. And we, 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 we hide behind a screen. <laughs> we, we hide behind the screen. People don't see us crying. People don't see how we hurt. People don't see what you went through. And so we hide behind the screen until the leper, there were 10 lepers. One of them came, all 10 came, they needed to be healed. And they, they didn't say unclean. They didn't cover them. They broke all protocol when they saw Jesus. And Jesus didn't walk away from them and distance himself. The Bible said he touched them and he healed them. And once they were healed, the broken connection was, re there was reconnection, and there was no longer isolation. And the first thing he did, he said, go to the temple, go to where the sisters and the brothers are, and tell the pastor that you've been cleansed and you've been made healed. I want you to know that the moment you got saved, that the veil that covered our sin, we don't have to hide it anymore because we've been touched by the blood of Jesus. We don't have to conceal our hurt and pain. But what he has done is provided a place for you and I to be honest, to say, I'm hurting, I need love, I need whatever it may be. And we find ourselves not only healed on the outside, but the Lord heals us inwardly because we're no longer drifting, but we're connected. Somebody say amen. amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. As you, as you remain standing.